Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Today we have a crazy nuclear revenge story about ruining a wedding. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, girl cheats on me with her lecturer, so I expose their relationship. I read a post one time, I can't really say where I saw it, but it was a long thread about people sharing their breakup stories. A large amount of people commented that the reason why they broke up was because they found out that their partners were cheating on them. At the time of me reading this post, I couldn't relate to what they were saying, but this one guy talked about how he questioned himself for not being good enough for his cheating girlfriend. I dropped a comment under him saying that it wasn't his fault and that he could never control how his girlfriend chose to act. She had freaked up values and that was why she decided to cheat. He replied saying he knew that. He knew it wasn't his fault, but he still couldn't help but feel like he was doing something wrong. He couldn't stop looking for ways that he didn't measure up and it was messing with his mental health. Next, he asked me if I'd ever had a partner who cheated on me, and to this I replied, no. All he said after that was that he thought as much and that I couldn't understand. The only way I could was if I was in that same situation. Two years later, I was in that same situation, and I hate to say it, but he was right. Having a partner cheat on you is one of the worst things that could ever happen to a person. It messes with your mental health, your emotional stability, and your self-esteem. You can't seem to figure out what you did wrong and where it all went wrong. This is the story of my ex-girlfriend Jessie and how she cheated on me with her lecturer. I met Jessie in my final year of college. She was the lit major in her third year. The first time we met was way more random than the second time. We literally bumped into each other. I was late for a class and I was walking way too fast. I came out of the corner and she bumped into me with a ton of books. After yelling at me for bumping into her, I helped her pack her books. I didn't mind that she laid all the blame on me because I was already late and I didn't want to waste any more time arguing who was at fault with her. I apologized and went on my way. Less than a week later, my roommate asked that we go to a party a friend of a friend was hosting. As I said, it was my final year and I was already stressed with schoolwork. I told my roommate that I wasn't interested in going to the party because of this. He told me that it was exactly because of that that I needed to go to the party. My roommate Owen was one of the most carefree guys I knew. He never studied for exams and tests, but somehow he always finished every semester with one of the best results in his class. I tried to decline, but he promised to study with me for an upcoming test I had and I said okay. We went to the party that night and while he was off mingling with people, I stayed in a corner scrolling through Twitter. A few minutes into it, someone tapped my shoulder. I looked up, surprised to see the girl from campus standing in front of me. She had forgotten where we met and asked if I knew her. I reminded her about the incident and she remembered. She apologized for being rude that day. She explained that she had a problem with a paper she was writing and her lecturer had rejected it for the second time, hence her bitterness. I said it wasn't a problem and apologized once more for bumping into her. She offered to get me a drink, and even though I had earlier resolved to keep a clear head, I accepted. She got me a bottle of beer and we talked. It was obvious that she had a passion for writing and literature. 
She wanted to be a professional writer and best-selling novelist, which I thought was really cool. I wasn't an avid reader, at least not anymore. I had a phase back in high school where I read the entire Harry Potter series and some other romance novels. We spent the better part of the night talking, and when Owen was ready to go, we said our goodbyes and I left. It was when I got back to my dorm that I realized my mistake. I didn't ask for her number. The next day I went to campus and the first thing I did was go to the library. She mentioned that she was there often, so that was the first place to start. I checked the hall, but she wasn't there. I even went to the librarian to ask if she had seen her, but she sees too many people every day to recognize the particular person I'm talking about. I came around two times every day for the next four days before I found her one day. She was at the corner of the room, head buried in a number of open books as she scribbled away in a note. I sat in front of her, but it took her over five minutes before she noticed. When she did, we talked for a little while. We were in the library, so we couldn't really talk much. I had to wait for her to finish up so we could leave together. I walked her to her dorm and we talked all the way. By the time she got to her place, I asked for her number, which she readily gave me. For the next few days, we texted non-stop. Even Owen noticed that something was up because I never used to be a fan of being on the phone for too long. I told him about Jesse and he was the one who told me to ask her out. I didn't want to because I didn't know if it was the time to do that yet. We had just met a few weeks ago and asking her out might ruin the relationship if she didn't see me that way. Owen managed to convince me and so I did. Surprisingly, she agreed to go out with me. After a few dates, she agreed to be my girlfriend. This was around the end of the session and I had just graduated. I got an apartment away from school and I was working an internship role with a firm a few blocks away from my apartment. Jessie comes over during the weekends and whenever she doesn't have a lot of schoolwork to do. During the middle of the first semester, she had a problem with her roommate and because of that she decided to move out and come stay with me instead. Things were great for the first few months. We were so in love and I didn't see how anything could go wrong. But then, it did. One night, I returned home from work and she was in the living room with her laptop. I said hi, but she didn't reply. After I'd showered, I returned to the living room to hang out with Jessie. That was when I noticed that she was upset. I asked her what the problem was, and she told me how she was still having a problem with one of her lecturers, Mr. Smith. He'd been giving her low grades on every test since the beginning of the semester, and she couldn't tell why. She had tried her best to have a discussion with him, but he wouldn't give her a solid reason as to why he'd been doing that. I tried to comfort her by saying that she couldn't always understand these people and they do as they like sometimes, but that wasn't enough for her. She pressed on about the issue and even though I wanted to listen and be there for her, I was just coming back from a stressful day at work. As she continued droning on and on about how he'd been unfair to her, I made the mistake of dozing off. Jessie got so mad that she threw a pillow at me and walked off. I apologized again and again, but she won't forgive me for the rest of the week. After that, she stopped talking to me about school and her problems. Whenever I asked, she just said it was fine. I didn't know to take this as a sign that something was terribly wrong until it was too late. During the beginning of the second semester, Jessie began to come home late. Sometimes she won't come home at all. Whenever I called, she'd say she was spending the night at a friend's. I didn't like it and I talked to her about it. If she was going to stay with me, I needed to know where she was at all times. Because, in a way, I can be held accountable for her safety. But she didn't see it this way. She thought I was trying to control her and she started to find me stifling. 
The next few weeks were all about us fighting and arguing. Just like that, the relationship started to get sour and I couldn't figure out why. I've been hearing about people finding fault in whatever their partner does when they think they've found someone better, but I didn't think that that would apply to me because, in my naive mind, I thought our relationship was unshakable. Until one night she fell asleep on the bed with her phone in hand. I pulled it away and her iMessage chats caught my eye. I read through and discovered that she was talking to one of her lecturers. But they were nothing professional. They were of a sexual manner. They even got to the point of exchanging photos. That to me was pain unimaginable. I didn't think I could hurt so bad and ask myself what I did wrong, but then I did. I confronted her the next day and instead of apologizing and explaining, she got mad that I checked her phone and broke up with me right there. Define pain again. The next few weeks, I didn't get myself. I was sad and angry at the same time and it even affected my output at work. Jessie was now with the same lecturer that she'd been complaining about. I was hurt and I wanted revenge. I talked to Owen about it one day and he randomly mentioned that it was against the law of the college. I didn't know this before. The lecturer could get fired for this. I still had the screenshots of all the conversations between Jesse and the lecturer. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. To her because I lifted it off her phone while she was asleep that day. 
Owen, being the vengeful guy he is, collected my phone and sent the screenshots to it. He posted it on the school platform where every student on campus could see it. A few days later, Jesse came to confront me about the chats. I told her I didn't leak it and technically it wasn't a lie. I didn't leak the chats, Owen did. She was so pissed because the lecturer was facing a disciplinary panel and he could get fired. She could also get suspended. I merely told her that she should have known the consequences of her actions before doing it. That was the last time I spoke to her. I didn't follow up with the case because I didn't want anything to do with her after the breakup. But with the damning evidence in those screenshots, she'd definitely be suspended from school. To be fair, I feel like a lot of people in a similar situation, especially those that have had their heart broken and shattered for the first time ever, would be very well capable of doing this exact thing. Let alone how many stories you hear of people who are absolutely shattered after this and do something crazy. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you guys enjoy these crazy stories of revenge, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is, Stepsister injures me on purpose, so I scare her with a horror movie. All my life, I've never been a believer. Not in God and the angels or the devil and her demons. I've seen a lot of horror movies because, for some reason, that's my favorite movie genre. But still, I don't believe in the things that go bump in the night. A great number of people believe that it's possible for these so-called demons to possess people, but obviously I don't buy that. Or at least I didn't buy that. Not until recently, when my stepsister stabbed my hand with a pair of scissors. Let me back up a little so you can understand the full story. My mom left when I was 10. Till today, I don't know why. People had a lot of opinions on the matter. Some people thought it was because my dad was in a financial mess during that time and we weren't living in the best of conditions. Others thought that she found someone richer and was willing to give her all the luxury she was craving. Another set of people thought she was gay and that she ran off with her lover. While any of these options may be true, it doesn't explain why she'd leave without saying goodbye. At least, if she wasn't happy with my dad for some reason, that didn't mean she should have a problem with me too, now does it? I'm her son for crying out loud. Anyways, that was by the way. During this time, my dad and I were pretty much alone. He was working as a doorman in a high-end apartment in New York while he was taking part-time classes in finance. Things were tough during this time because he was never home all day. He had to go to classes and then resume for work and a shift only ended very late at night. I couldn't complain, that was the only way the bills were paid. A few years down the line, things started looking up for my dad. He finished his course and got a paid internship role in a company. Things didn't really change then because he was still working full-time and I never got to see him. And then, a year later, he got a full-time role in the company. We were still staying in the crappy apartment for a while because dad had a lot of debt to pay off. But two years later, we moved to a nicer place. We were comfortable now. We had a big living room. I had my own bedroom. It was the life for me. And then dad got promoted, and we moved to a bigger house. I was 16 then and a high school junior. My dad had promised me that he was going to get me a car soon, and I was about to start living the teenage life I've seen everybody else live. I thought this was how my life was going to keep going until something unexpected happened. My dad started seeing someone else. Even before we became comfortable, my dad and I were very close. He told me everything going on in his life, and I told him everything going on in mine. So even before I met this mystery lady, he had told me all about her. I didn't take him seriously though. 
Ever since mom left, it was as if he had sworn off all women. For so many years, he didn't bring a single woman home, so why now? Anyway, he told me that he was going to introduce me to her very soon, and I said sure, what else can I say? But then he actually did. A few weeks later I came back from school hoping to get some sleep and try a video game I just bought, but then there she was, standing in the living room with my dad. He introduced her as Jenna and told me she was a consultant for the firm where he worked. Dad decided that we should all go out to eat. A wrench in my plans, but sure, why not? During our time in the restaurant, I could easily see why my dad liked her. She was smart and articulate, not to mention beautiful. I liked the fact that she smiled a lot and she didn't pressure me to talk about myself. At the end of lunch, I was fully in support of their relationship. When she was about to leave, my dad commented that it was nice being out and asked that we do it again. Jenna said sure, but she'd like it to be dinner so she could bring her daughter. I was like, whoa, back up. Daughter? For some reason, dad found it unimportant to mention that she had a kid and I was just finding out. We got home and he explained that her daughter Lily was nice and sweet. She swore that I was going to love her, so I decided to take his word for it. He was wrong. Two weeks later, dad came home early from work and he made me clean the house with him. Jenna was on her way with Lily and she was cooking dinner. A few hours later, they got here and Jenna introduced me to her daughter. She was 11 years old and true to dad's words, she was pleasant, or at least that was what she wanted me to think. Like I said before, Jenna was going to cook dinner, and Dad decided to help out. He wanted to give me and Lily some time to bond. I was playing Call of Duty Warfare and she sat on the couch beside me. She asked if she could play, and even though I didn't want to say yes because I was playing a very important mission, I had to say yes. The whole point of the dinner was to build a good relationship with the person who was probably going to become my stepsister. I handed her the controller and tried to show her what to do. As soon as I left her alone with the pad, she tried to play but her character in the game got killed. She sprung from her seat and smashed the controller on the ground. I couldn't believe it. Before I could say anything, she just walked off. I stared at the pad on the ground with disbelief. I didn't know what to do or what to say. Do I complain that a girl almost six years younger than me smashed my pad on the ground? It made no sense, so I decided to forget it. I deluded myself into thinking that she must have been angry about something else and she didn't mean to do that. Thankfully, the controller was still working. We had dinner and at the end of the day, they went home. The next week, they decided to have dinner with us all over again. This time, I was in my bedroom working on a sketch. I was a good artist, but I didn't draw very often because it always took me a lot of time. That day, I decided to work on a sketch I'd been drawing for the past two weeks. As they cooked dinner downstairs, I stayed up in my room working on the sketch. Lily came in a few minutes later, and she told me she was bored downstairs. I was a bit weary of her because of the whole game controller incident, and the fact that she didn't even try to apologize after the fact, but I still didn't want to turn her away because we were supposed to be bonding. I invited her in and she came to see what I was sketching. It was a pencil portrait of her mom. It was just a little something to show my support for their relationship. My dad called downstairs and I had to leave the room to help him set the table. I came back five minutes later to tell Lily that dinner was ready. That was when I saw the torn pieces of my sketch on the ground. She had a twisted smile on her face that scared the heck out of me. 
I yelled at her for tearing the sketch, and she said it looked nothing like her mom, which was in fact a lie. We bickered for a while, and eventually our parents had to step in. I told them what happened, and when it was time for Lily to speak, she started crying instead. It was a classic get-out-of-jail-free move. Jenna apologized for the sketch, and when they both left for the dinner table, Dad pulled me aside and told me to try harder to get along, because he really wanted it to work. Over the next few weeks, we had dinner together every weekend, but this time I tried to never leave Lily in the room with something precious to me. I basically stayed away from her, which was difficult because she was the one always coming for me. Eventually, they moved in with us and it became my responsibility to look after her whenever Dad and Jenna had gone to work. This was pretty difficult because Lily was stubborn. I mean it. She was the most stubborn kid I've ever known. It was as though she was made and put into my life to stretch the limits of my patience. Whenever you told her not to do something, that was exactly what she wanted to do. One time, I decided to punish her. I told her to focus on her homework before she watched anything on TV. But as usual, she didn't want to do that. So I decided to seize the TV remote. I told her that I was only going to give it to her if she did her homework first. She walked away and I thought my plan worked. Ten minutes later, I was in my room working on an essay paper for my English class. I had my headphones in my ear so I didn't hear the door open. My palm was face down on the reading table and before I knew it, Lily stabbed me with a pair of scissors. I have to say, being stabbed with a pair of scissors really sucks. You lose use of that hand for some time and it hurts when you move it. Lily wasn't that strong, so it didn't go all the way through, but it went in just enough to make it bleed. I reported the issue to Dad and Jenna when they got back from work, and once again, Jenna apologized to Lily. They scolded her, and once again, she cried like she really meant it. I've learned to not trust her tears, and this time, I was tired of her antics. I was going to get back at her, and I knew exactly how. Firstly, I came home with some of my school friends and we started talking about the movie Dead Space Downfall. We talked about how interesting it was and I made sure Lily was within listening range. Later that evening, before mom and dad got home, she walked up to me after completing her assignments and told me that she wanted a movie. I asked her which one and as expected, she said Dead Space Downfall. I told her she couldn't watch it because she was too young. But as expected again, she didn't listen to me. I had the movie on my laptop and I left it open. Then I pretended to go get something from a friend and Lily played right into my hands. She went up to my room and played the movie and I listened from outside as she watched and screamed at the horror. When she was done with the movie, I returned to the house. The look on her face was priceless. She was visibly shaken and silent. Throughout the evening, she couldn't stay alone in the living room or her bedroom, and for the next month, she was having nightmares about the movie. Nobody could blame me because, in my defense, I told her not to watch the movie, but she didn't listen to me. Honestly, if that's just the revenge that OP gave her, I think she got off lightly for literally poking you in the hand with scissors, and poking is putting it lightly too. Honestly, if anything, I feel like what OP did here is normal older sibling pranking their younger sibling type behavior. Our next story is, I ruined my cousin's wedding. There are three types of people I do not like. People who pretend to like you when in fact they don't. People who feel too highly of themselves. And people who blab things that are their business. Natalie, my cousin, somehow managed to check 
all those boxes. I've heard of and seen people with so many cousins that they lose count, but in my family, I only had Natalie. My dad had one sister, Nat's mom, and my mom was the only child of her parents. My parents only had me. Nat's dad died when she was a few months old and her mother refused to remarry, hence she was an only child and my only cousin. It's sort of comical to me, to this day, that some people have cousins that they've never met. I probably haven't met all of my second cousins, but my cousin? My direct cousin? We didn't have annual Christmas celebrations to keep in touch. We didn't need those. We practically grew up together. Her house was across from mine so we could pop in to visit each other at any time. Plus, my parents felt obliged to watch over Nat. From the gossip I heard from the adults, Nat's mom let herself go after her husband died. Apparently, they were high school sweethearts and they had loved each other so dearly. She had refused to step out of her house or even look at her baby for almost a year after his death. I was told that my parents who had been trying for a child but hadn't produced any had rushed to Nat's aid and had cared for her till her mom finally decided that she wanted Nat back when Nat was about two years old. There's gossip that my parents were planning to adopt Nat legally so it must have thoroughly broken their hearts to give Nat back. Miraculously, a few months later, my mom discovered that she was expecting a baby. Me. Still, my parents weren't totally comfortable letting Nat go back to her mom like that. Her mom became fond of wine cellars, bars, gins, and tonics. Basically, Nat's mom had become an alcoholic to get over her loss. It must have been clear to anyone that she was still grieving the death of her beloved husband. Even as I grew up, I could sense her loss whenever I was around her. She hardly ever smiled, and you could just about taste the bitterness in her voice. As you've probably guessed, this wasn't a proper environment for any child to grow in. There was always booze around, Natalie herself had to care for her mom, and the only reason Nat was even well fed was because of my parents' interference. Soon, everyone started to murmur, all that wasn't healthy for the child or for the mother. My parents were compelled to act. They made arrangements for Nat's mom to be sent to rehab, and they decided that Nat would stay with us till her mom returned. Nat's mom, however, was enraged. She didn't think she needed rehabilitation, and she wanted to keep Nat since, in her words, Nat was the only remainder she had of her dead husband. Nat, who was 12 years old then, was old enough to speak for herself, and she did. She said that she knew her mom needed rehab and that she didn't want to be with her till she'd gotten better. She told my parents that she was scared of her mother. That night, Nat's mom returned home more drunk than ever, and she hit Nat. We could hear the screams coming from their house, and my parents, with all the other neighbors, rushed to intervene. That night reaffirmed everybody's fear and made my parents more resolute in their decision. Natalie had to move in with us, and her mom had to go to rehab. That was what was best for everyone. Again, Nat's mom didn't think so. She felt like everyone was against her, so she ran away, leaving Nat behind. Nat didn't seem too upset about that, so it brings me to wonder about the amount of heck she must have been put through. Nat and I became thick as thieves. She was friendly and she knew a lot about almost everything. She basically became my older sister, and I trusted her. I just didn't know that she was pretentious. We started to go everywhere together and do everything together. We even had an uncanny resemblance. People who didn't know us immediately assumed that we were sisters and we loved it. I got closer to her as we grew up, but I couldn't help noticing some of her traits that were glaring. She continually looked down on people, 
and she would never let them know. She would instead spend hours gossiping about them and smiling at them whenever they were around. It was as if she felt she was better than everyone else, but she wanted them to like her. She did. I adored her so much that I made excuses for her behavior. My only concern was that I hoped she liked me genuinely. Since she was older than me and knew more about the world than I did, I trusted her judgment much more than mine. So when it happened, she was the first person I told. My crush finally asked me out on a date, and I was so happy. Nat and I had spent hours deciding on the dress I would wear, my makeup, and how I'd style my hair. My mom had fake swooned when she saw me all dressed, and I was sure that my dad would have done the same if he wasn't at work. I looked at my reflection, and I felt so pretty and confident. I was going on my first actual date, and I'd finally turned 16 the week before. Peter, my date, had been so sweet from the moment he saw me till we got to the restaurant. I'd never been to such a fancy restaurant before. I was so impressed. Peter had gone all out. I scanned to find the cheapest thing on the menu, but he leaned over and told me he wanted me to try some fancy sounding food. He pointed at it and I almost choked when I saw the price. Our meal arrived and it was heavenly. I was trying my best to act posh and eat ladylike when I got some sauce on my dress. I used my purse to conceal it from view and hoped I looked calm as I walked into the bathroom. After what felt like hours of scrubbing the stain and drying the spot, my dress was clean again. I put on some lip gloss and prayed that I hadn't spent too long in the bathroom. I wish I hadn't walked out at that moment because then I wouldn't have seen my dad kissing some lady. I wasn't the one doing anything wrong, but somehow I felt guilty seeing them. I quickly cut my eyes from them and backed away from them. I followed an alternate door out of the restaurant. I wondered if my dad had seen me. I wondered if my mom had the slightest clue what he was actually doing. I was so confused. I called a cab and I went straight home. My mom tried speaking to me, but I couldn't face her. I went into my room and tried to calm myself down. Then I heard a ping. It was a text from Peter. Groan. Hey, it said. After waiting some time, I figured something must have been wrong, so I asked a lady to help me check if you were still in the bathroom, but she said no one fits your description. I waited some more, but you never came out, so I'm leaving now. You should have told me if I did something that made you want to leave. I really liked you, but it sucks to be treated like this. It was at this point that the tears started to flow. Silent tears that somehow couldn't wash away all of the words I wanted to scream. I heard my dad's car in the driveway and I heard my mom tell him she had a bad date. The hairs on my body stood. I waited to see if she'd tell him the restaurant I'd gone to. She didn't and he must have not seen me at the restaurant because he just said, then the boy isn't worth it. My sobs increased. I didn't want to break my mother's heart. I didn't want my dad to keep cheating either. At last, I heard Nat's voice at the door, telling me to open up. I instantly did and fell into her arms. She let me finish crying without asking a single question. When I felt strong enough and I felt my parents had gone to bed, I told her everything without hesitation. The more I spoke, the more clarity I got. There was a way out. I wouldn't tell my mom anything. I'd let my dad know what I'd seen so he feel inclined to stop. And I'd partly explain that something had come up. Or I'd lie that I'd seen my period when I saw Peter at school. Perfect. And Nat agreed too. 
So tell me why Natalie felt the need to tell my mom the next morning. The screams of accusations were what woke me up the next morning. My mom's eyes were red when she came down and she also screamed at me for not telling her anything. I was furious at Natalie for going behind my back. She could have asked me to tell my mom if she thought that was better and we would have come to a compromise. But she didn't and she refused to realize that she had done anything wrong. Not even when my parents started to file for a divorce. I started to hate her. I was filled with so much fury. The worst part was that my mom decided to keep Nat and me. My dad felt too guilty to argue. I couldn't stand being around Nat. She was the reason we weren't a happy family. As each day passed, all of her true characters became more and more prominent. I wanted nothing to do with her. I refused to speak to her. Even my mom gave up trying to make us friends again. Natalie would randomly speak to me about the most random topics to see if we could go back to the way we were, but my cold replies never thawed, and soon she gave up too. I wasn't carrying my hatred for her around. The only times I remembered her and the amount of hate I have for her was when I saw her, and soon that was sparing. She was off to college before me, and I went to college a little while after, so our interactions were limited. She did call me once in a while, like on my birthdays and on the day I graduated from college, but I couldn't forgive her. On the wrong evening, when I'd already been sorely tempted to murder all my employees and my boss, I received an email from Natalie. It was an invitation to her wedding. The nerve of her. How could she invite me to a celebration of her love when she destroyed my parents' love? I could kill her. I scrolled to the bottom of the mail and saw that she'd attached a note. She said she missed me and wished that we were friends again. I was her only real friend. She wanted me to follow her to get her dress and plan the wedding. A lot of random sappy stuff. And at the conclusion, she said she'd hesitated to send my invite. But she eventually had since the worst I could do was decide not to attend. That stopped me. She thought the worst I could do was not attend. Well, I'd show her what I could do. Right then, I started to make invites for an early birthday party she'd inspired me to throw. I was going to reduce the number of guests she had at her wedding. If possible, half it. I also sent an invitation to her, and she tried calling and texting me to be reasonable, but I didn't respond to her. I contacted my parents and did all I could to invite them to my party. I even had to blackmail and manipulate them. But my mom could see through me and she wouldn't come. My dad, however, didn't need too much convincing. I believe he also hadn't thoroughly forgiven Nat. He agreed to come to my party, and that was good enough. I did the same thing to all the friends Nat and I shared, and I grew happier as my guest list increased, and I could imagine hers decreasing. Finally, the day of her wedding came. I was dressed in all black. I had something to mourn. I was almost walking on clouds as I ticked off people arriving at my party. My dad was first. Halfway through, I made a quick stop at her wedding. What a shame, she still had quite an attendance, but that wouldn't make up for my or my dad's absence. Natalie spotted me and started making her way towards my car. I quickly flipped her the finger and sped off. Petty, I know, but it felt good. Honestly, I almost think the greatest revenge was OP showing up just because maybe it gave her that sliver of hope. You know, some little butterflies in their stomach like, they actually did come anyways just for OP to flip the bird and drive off into the sunset. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another absolutely crazy story of revenge, check out that video on the left. 
Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.